And that was like the moment it really hit me. Like drinking is not fun. Drinking actually sucks. And I needed to almost learn that because I decided to take another break at that point. But that break basically carried me to now four years later, alcohol-free. And I just haven't looked back because every single day has gotten better and better and better. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Uh, Welcome to another podcast from Darkness to Life here at the Plugged In Media Network studio. Um, Obviously, I'm Amber here with my buddy Ryan. Uh, We have a special guest today, Carolina, who is an alcohol-free coach who also wrote a book. Um... Um, called Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. I'm very excited uh, to hear a little bit more about this. There's a lot of social norms around alcohol today, and I there always has been, right? And me and Ryan here are two recovered addicts, and, you know, it's, it's nice to see people promoting more alcohol-free lives before it becomes disastrous at the end of the day. Um, but we always like to start off kind of our our podcast with just doing a mental check-in and see where you're at so if you don't mind sharing i'll start with my buddy ryan he can go first and then carolina i'll i'll ask you sure how are you today ryan i'm doing amazing today you know i um (sighs) what does amazing mean no i'm doing really well i uh have a lot going on at work obviously and since the announcement of our funding last week it has really amplified our busyness, which is amazing because we've been waiting for that day to come. And uh, yeah, work-wise going really well, Um, hitting the gym, not overwhelmed, got that rush of endorphins that I get at the gym and things are really looking up there. What else? I'm getting married. Yeah, it's super exciting. My little guy can stand up against the couch now and climb stairs and I have a whole kitchen full of uh, cabinet locks to put on tonight. But other than that, I'm doing amazing. Living a baby-proof lifestyle. That's right. And congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's awesome. How about yourself? Oh, I'm good. I've had a great morning routine. Every time I have a good morning routine, I know it's going to be a good day. You know, I get my gratitudes in, my journaling. I do some meditation. I visualize kind of like what my dream lifestyle is kind of unfolding in front of me. So I I really feel like it grounds me. It sets me up to have a great day. And I I got to get some coaching calls in today. Obviously, speaks with you lovely people now. And yeah, things are great. Sunshine here in San Diego. Oh, my goodness. San Diego. I love it. Yeah, the sun is shining here too, which is nice, but San Diego would be nice. Mm-hmm. We'll come visit you one day. If I can get through <laughs> this whole good. episode without saying stay classy San Diego, I'll be amazed. <laughs> oh, wait, I said it. <laughs> we might uh, come out uh, more than once. I, for me, I'm having a really good day. I can't complain. Life's good, work's good. Same thing, went to the gym, had a good start to my day. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I woke up late and I rushed all day, but today that did not happen. So I'm feeling thankful, grat- grateful for my family, grateful for my kids and the sunny weather. There's no snow here. So, so it smells like camping season to me and I couldn't be more <laughs> excited. So, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your book. I've re- I've read your book and I absolutely loved it and I've referred. I've sent it off to a few friends and a couple people in recovery too, just to understand the health benefits around 
like not drinking because I think there's more to come than just not drinking. Yeah. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces, you know, that you gain back with your life and and exactly what you said, like gain a more confident you. Right. And I'd like to just kind of like hear a little bit more about you and your book and maybe, you know, what, what brought you, Carolina, to, you know, stop drinking. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, right now I'm an author, I'm a life coach, I, uh, I'm living literally what I used to think was a pipe dream mm-hmm. that I had any autonomy over my life other than what was just kind of handed or just the inertia of going to college and getting whatever job was you're supposed to get. Um, my life has just changed night and day from when I was drinking to not. And yet when I tell that story, it's not like a, it's not a story out of a movie. You know, there was nothing dramatic happening in my life. Um, I partied very hard when I was in college and grad school, had really little boundaries around alcohol, but it didn't seem to matter very much to me then. I I wasn't a very healthy person to begin with. I was just young and dumb, Mm -hmm. but something started changing as I got older and I started getting interested into health and wellness and mindfulness. And so basically what I did is I kind of shoved drinking into this box that I compartmentalized, right? So I would live a very healthy lifestyle. You could say like Monday through Thursday, where I would eat my vegetables, I would work out, I would drink my green juice. And then on the weekend, I would go drinking. And it was very different from what I was doing in college, right? I wasn't taking shots of tequila. I wasn't at the bars. It was this adult drinking, right? It was the wine at the dinner party. It was the sushi night. It was all these so-called acceptable type of drinking. And yet I still couldn't shake the feeling that hit me every Monday morning. Every Monday morning, not only did I feel physically unwell, right? From the, mm-hmm. the, the, the way I bulldozed my health over the weekend, but I also felt like this dark cloud of energy was following me around. I really felt like I was lost. Like I was not sure what I was doing with my life. I felt really like broken promises, broken self-esteem. And I just felt like there was this little voice telling me every Monday, you were made for more. You were made for more. You were made for more. And it was so hard to listen to that voice because I look around me and literally everyone I know is doing the exact same thing. Right. Like we have a even it's called TGIF here in, in the States. It's like you live for the weekend. Like yeah. that's the time you unwind. And I just didn't understand how I could make any changes to my drinking without, you know, really kind of adopting something I wasn't ready to say about myself or making it seem like a stigma about me. So I basically kept on in this merry-go-round for years, like years of knowing it makes me unhappy, but feeling like I'm stuck no matter what. This is just what society calls for. This is just Mm -hmm. what it means to be an adult, right? And I think the biggest shocker for me was actually hearing about Dry January because that was like this social excuse I could finally have to not drink. I could finally just try life without alcohol, without having to explain it to people, without having to make it something big. I could just try it in the privacy of my home and not drink in January. And it was normal enough. Right. Mm. And that's when I really was able to experience it. Like I started drinking. I had my first drinks when I was much younger, but I started drinking pretty regularly every single weekend, at least since I was 17 years old. And I didn't know what it felt like to not have alcohol in my life. And I think that's actually really common for most adults, like other than pregnancy or some kind of illness, like we drink all our lives, you know? And so to give myself this chance without any commitment, other than the 30 days, without any labels, without any like proclamations of what I was going to do for the rest of my life, I could just try it. And that like level of curiosity and experimentation allowed me to fall in love with it. I, I just 
loved how I felt in the morning. I love the pride and the self-esteem and the self-love I was feeling for myself every single day. Every single day, I was keeping promises to myself. And it just was growing this sense of confidence and love. And February comes around. And I remember my very first social occasion. I don't think I'm even allowed to continue doing this. So I drink again. And I drink a few times that February, and it's not even that much necessarily. And yet a few drinks completely ruins my sleep, completely makes it impossible for me to journal at night when I was really falling in love with doing some personal work that in the evenings. And also I noticed my mood, like even just a few drinks, I was euphoric in January. I was feeling really happy and elated and just kind of experiencing life like a child again. And a few drinks in February, and my mood would get cranky and frustrated and impatient. And I even started picking little fights with my husband. Mm. And that was like the moment it really hit me. Like, drinking is not fun. (laughs) Drinking actually sucks. (laughs) And I needed to almost learn that because I decided to take another break at that point. But that break basically carried me to now four years later, alcohol-free. And I just haven't looked back because every single day has gotten better and better and better. And I made some huge shifts in the sense of obviously my health improved. This is kind of where the book goes. My health improved, my body improved. I healed a lot. My mindset redeveloped. I started believing in myself a lot more. It was almost as if, if I could do this, my Achilles heel, right? That's been challenging me for years. What else could I do? And that question of what else could I do has literally led me to quit my day job, launch a dream business, travel the world whenever I want and have a book published, which I literally thought was a pipe dream. Um, I I think that exploring this lifestyle can be the key to really getting to know yourself in a way you never have before, which can really unearth your deeper desires for what you want and actually give you that confidence to go after them. So that's my story in a nutshell. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Like I can totally relate because what like I came into or out of active addiction when I was quite young and then I didn't realize that alcohol was, you know, part of my addiction because again, I came out and as long as I wasn't using harder drugs, then alcohol was still like set to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And until I actually quit drinking alcohol, did I actually see a difference in myself as a human being? Right. Same thing. Like, you don't wake up on Monday feeling like shit. You, you know, don't have that fog. Mm-hmm. Like we see an addiction fog lifts maybe after 30 days, but same thing. Like every Monday I, I have like probably the exact same feelings that you did. And yeah, you stop picking fights. You can see things clear. You can build your own autonomy. You feel good. You're more confident. Like I love that. And the social, like I started drinking, I think I was around 11 or 12. Right. And, Unfortunately for me, I also grew up in a house of a bit of instability. So having that social norm to drinking too, you know, drove me into a path of addiction without even knowing it was ever going to drive me there either. But it's also nice to hear like somebody else say like, I guess what I see and I hear from you is like, I think people in addiction and maybe you could speak to this, Ryan, is that I think people in addiction feel exactly the same, but you just don't have to get there to get out of drinking. To feel great. Like you don't have to get into, as Rick calls it, the dumpster fire. For sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I think what I'm hearing today is, you know, different levels of substance use or substance abuse, right? So there's, you know, there's there's a difference. For me, it's like I drink till I'll end up homeless, right? I, if I pick up, I can't stop, yeah. right? And then there's another population out there that, like you're talking about, it's Carolina, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, like you're talking about where... <clears throat> 
maybe people don't have full-blown alcoholism or full-blown addiction and they don't check all those boxes in the DSM-5 or whatever, right? <clears throat> but there is that huge component to it that, man, it does hold you back and it does hit you physically, mentally, spiritually, right? When you go on these weekend binges and whatnot, and then that cycle, like you said, that cycle just keeps repeating throughout the years and years and years. And it doesn't have to be full-blown addiction to look at these pieces. Like your story is a prime example. Like look at how much you've accomplished since eliminating alcohol from your life and building that, like you said, Amber, that autonomy and that all that self-worth. And man, you said it perfectly. These were all things that you dreamt about, but never once in your wildest dreams did you think you'd be able to accomplish any of the things, probably none of the things that you have done so far, right? And it's just putting a cork in the bottle and getting it out of your life. And man, yeah, I, I came from full-blown addiction. My Mine was hard drugs, cocaine, and never once did I think I had a problem with alcohol. I had drank since I was 13, 14 years old, but I didn't recognize the problem that it was in my life until I went to treatment until I, I really started looking at that drug piece in my life. And then it was explained to me what addiction is and how it doesn't matter what substance I'm using. It's not about the substance. It's like, how is it reacting up here in the chaos it's creating my, in my life? And I went back and looked at the last 40 years and every, when I did my moral inventory, every piece of shit thing I ever did in my life revolved around alcohol, whether I was trying to look forward to a party, coming at a party or the next day or the Monday morning, everything was just chaos when it involved alcohol. Yeah. So it was easy to see. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing better today <clears throat> than waking up and not having to feel shame and guilt over something dumb you either said or <laughs> did while you were under the influence of alcohol too. Right. Like I don't, I don't think alcohol has ever driven anybody to be them the, their best self at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. I yeah. love how you two put it and just looking at how, you know, it, it's presented to us because like, I don't know anyone who feels good after drinking, right? Mm. Like physically alcohol is a toxin on our body and it, it doesn't do our body good. And yet that questioning is what's going to provide you either ridicule or judgment in our society. Like mm -hmm. it's hard to even listen to our intuition about these things because you can't even show up to a social event past 5 PM without the expectation to drink. Yeah. So we just keep doing it and doing it and gets deeper and thicker and stronger. And it's like, we're literally molded by our environment, the society around us. I mean, if, if you don't drink, you are thought of as boring or someone who has a problem or something. So what were you going to do? You drink. And then it's like, we come back around and it was like, oh, it was your fault all along. Yeah. It wasn't the drink or the society or the way that we've literally shaped this alcohol centric world. Like it was you, you know, so that I just love to, to bring light to this, you know, no matter what anyone is at the spectrum, there's a sociological thing at play here. Um, and I like to question that too, mm -hmm. and, and who benefits and who doesn't <clears throat> with this world that, you know, I mean, just look at the TV shows, for example, I grew up with Sex in the City. It promised me glamour and sophistication, you know, to have drinks out on the town. Like that is what I'm marrying in my mind with drinking. It yeah. is status to me today, to this day, right? There's status involved. It's not just a fermented beverage. Mm -hmm. It's our key to rebelliousness, maybe, or relaxation or glamour, sophistication, or being like a connoisseur of some drinks, you know? I think as a society, if we just pared back and looked at really what we're what we're putting on to alcohol, the, the messages, the associations, um, if we had that awareness so much earlier, if we talked about it. I mean, how many, how much prevention, I guess, could happen? Mm -hmm. yeah. I call it classy to trashy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've always called it. <laughs> that's so true. Because that's really what it is, right? But yeah, media, 
like everything we watch has always been it glamorizes it right in one way shape or form do you do you find that society's changing and will we see like i feel like and and maybe that's because my social media pages have me baited for non-alcoholic things or no drugs right in sobriety and and that's really what i like to look at but i do feel like it seems like there's more people today choosing to drop alcohol and yeah, have I think a better so. life i think so and statistically like you know one out of three americans i think did dry january for example last january 10 years ago that was like not even a statistic right so i think it's becoming more normalized to look at it whether they quit completely or not is like i think it's getting easier but it's at least like hey if you're going to be aware about you know your health routines or your career like why not look at this big facet in your life um, you know, the rise of alcohol-free beverages, the rise of just so many other different programs and communities and books, I think is really changing. And I've heard as well that like Gen Z doesn't drink as much. So like our young ones aren't drinking as much as, as our generation did. And that's amazing because like, if I could have children who grow up in a world that doesn't necessarily expect them to drink, like they can choose, it'll probably be available, but it's not this pressure where this is like the code to belong. What an amazing world to grow up in. And I just kind of see it being a little bit like cigarettes. Like we used to smoke on planes, you know, and, and yeah. that's totally fallen out of favor. Um, the, the health risks that are really coming out and the truth about how much, how little alcohol really is bad for you. I think it's just changing our norms, but we'll have to see it right through. You know, it's going to take a few decades. It'll take a long time to change, change that perspective. I had a question like on um, people you work with, or like what did you notice from like a nutritionist nutrition standpoint because like when I also quit drinking I feel like I treated my body also so much better from a nutrition standpoint and I I, I think a lot of and this is probably and not to say that men don't have this issue that they do but I feel like we almost like you cr you go drinking on the weekend like you know people always say like calories for are for drinking right and you know how much nutrition nutrition is better oh my god that is like the worst way to say that like have you noticed with people that they take better care of their bodies they don't put all the pressure on themselves to be you know eating specifically like i guess be more aware of yourself and not putting all the pressure that social media has either without drinking. Do you think that that's an improvement when people stop? I noticed yeah. it for me. I feed my body better. I don't have the pressure of, you know, what I drank all weekend and calories in and calories out bullshit. I just eat food. Yeah. I, I, I guess that's what I'm that. trying to say. In a wrong, long roundabout way, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, I think I've uh, attracted women who have always been a little bit more health conscious. And so what gets really hard is that is that they're very much there's this big incongruency in their life. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to either lose weight or just be healthier. And yet alcohol derails my efforts in every single way, whether it's the extra calories or I don't feel like working out the next day or I make poor food choices. It's like everything else they're trying to do right. And that's like the one big block. And so when you remove that one big block, I feel like you're able to have this upward spiral of well-being that's not always being sabotaged, you know, like you can wake up the next day, you can go out and party with your friends and drink mocktails and wake up the next day at 6am and go on a run, you know what I mean? There's nothing stopping you there, you know, making better food choices and also really like I think ultimately, you know, removing substances and just living this pure euphoric life not a moralistic sense, but just like being alive to yourself and your, your own emotions and thoughts and feelings, 
you know, you listen to yourself, you start learning about what your body wants, what you, what you feel best with being healthy. So it starts becoming, uh, like you were saying, like more intuitive eating, you know, you know, what, what is fueling you, what feels good. And you're just slowly listening to all the clues that your body gives you about what really feels good. Um, instead of being a little bit more draconian about it, it's, you're able to be a little bit more natural and intuitive. A lot of women I work with also end up, you know, getting healthier and maybe sometimes losing a little bit of weight or just finding that some women indulge in pleasure more, for example, like dessert used to be off limits, right? Like a bottle of wine was fine, even though it contains so much sugar. It's so funny how our brains like think of it, (laughs) but dessert was always off limits. And now they can like ease up on that a little bit, you know, like they have a little bit more freedom to eat pleasurably, you know, when their body wants it, not out of like a a way to stuff their feelings um, and still make a lot of progress in their health and wellness goals. It's funny because it just reminds me of like people in addiction of why we rationalize staying where we are, right? We do the same thing. Other people do the exact same thing. I love the similarities. I remember the days when I used to drink. This was before I knew I was a full-blown alcoholic and an an addict, but I would pretty adamant about going to the gym, played hockey most of my life. And I remember, you know, I would have to run 40 minutes or whatever to burn 600 or 700 calories on the treadmill. And I was focused on that number and, you know, I can't have this or I can't eat that, but man, I had no problems going on a Friday night and smashing like 15 beers and I deserve this. So, you know, I was on the, and justifying it, right. And rationalizing. I was on the treadmill three times this week. That's whatever, 2,100 calories. I can smash all these beers and not once think about the health repercussions of drinking that much alcohol on, like you said earlier, a daily basis or a weekend basis. I was not a daily drinker, but TGIF, I was smashing booze all weekend long and dreading Monday. I remember 10 o'clock on a Sunday night feeling like I'd been hit by a bus usually and not really remembering most of the weekend and dreading the next day and hating Mondays. And now it's completely reframed. I love Mondays now. Yeah. Cause I've been present all weekend and I've been conscious of, you know, I might smash some burgers now, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it anymore. Yeah. And I know that I'm not justifying that behavior anymore. And yeah, it's just being alcohol free. And for me in full blown, you know, coming from addiction to abstinence based recovery from all mind altering substances for me, it's just been life changing in all facets of my life, not just being clean and sober. I love to hear that. And it's fascinating. There's studies that prove that not all people, but some people, the more they work out, the more they drink because it's like the reward and we, we justify it as like, I deserve this. So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, thought pattern. A lot of people have, um, it it can be hard to, to notice that like, you know, like, Oh, I'm I'm healthy. I'm working out, you know, like instead of asking yourself, is it that bad? I always ask my clients, but is it making you happy? Mm -hmm is even the rationalizations of like, oh, I'll have only two drinks and then I'll do that. You know, is all of that mental gymnastics making you happy? <laughs> like what I heard from you just now it. was peace. Like you yeah. have peace now. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you reminded me exactly of the way I used to be when you talk about, you know, um, alcohol in our lives and things like that. Coming from a male perspective, I'd go out, you know, we'd work out in the gym all week and then we'd go out drinking at night and we'd talk about how much we could bench and all. It was like a badge of honor and a, and a, a place to go and brag about our gym quality of, you know, whatever. It was just such a chaotic life back then. And, and also, you know, come once again, from a male perspective, you know, 
I used to think all the time that, man, we're really partying hard and we're really having a great time. And if you threw up, it was like a badge of honor and you just went harder and you bragged about it and all these things, right? And I look back now and I think, what an insane thought process I have. I didn't even have a thought process. Just an insane way of living that throwing up, drinking till you overdose on alcohol was a badge of honor. And you thought it was, I thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah. How our mindset changes. Oh my goodness. And we can look back. We always laugh at ourselves for oh. all the things that we've been through because we can now, but yeah. And, uh, and it was normalized, right? It wasn't yeah. that we're laughing. We're just laughing at how we didn't think anything was wrong with it. It was normalized in our society and in our circles we grew up in. And that's what my dad did. And that's what all the people around me at work did. They drank your faces off till you couldn't remember where you parked your truck. And if you found it, you drove home. It was yeah. wild. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I had a question around like social anxiety, social anxiety and people going out to events. That's a big driver of people's alcohol used to and and we find that a lot with introverts and and we've done some podcasts with mm -hmm. introverts who's like i just go out and get smashed because that's the only way i feel i'm i'm confident in a room you know what kind of advice do you think that you could give to to those people out there who are you know suffering from the introverted state and feel like they lack that confidence such a good question i'm 100 percent an introvert i grew up really really shy and so by the time i'm in high school and alcohol is literally the solution right it's this magical elixir it turns me into an extrovert i'm bubbly i think i'm more interesting i think i can be popular and i use it as a crutch all throughout my 20s right to to attain that state but what's really happening on the inside i'm not more confident. I'm not more uh, free of my worries. I'm actually becoming more insecure. I'm literally like, oh, do I have wine teeth? Did they see me go for another third glass? Like, And because I always am outsourcing my confidence to alcohol, I'm not confident in my skin unless I'm holding that drink. And I think over time, it's what's telling my subconscious is, Carolina, you're not good enough. Nobody wants to talk to you. You're not interesting. You have nothing good to say unless you're drinking this beverage. Mm -hmm it lowered my confidence. And let's not even add on all the embarrassing missteps that happened or the just out of character, like misalignment with my integrity. Like I said that, what, you know, over time, my confidence, my self-esteem, my self-worth was so, so, so low. And so going out there the first time, you know, without alcohol, it did feel weird. It did feel awkward. It was like a shoe I've never worn before, mm -hmm. but it was actually my natural fitting shoe. And so it was like a muscle that I hadn't worked out ever before, right? And I, I just approached it as if like, I need to to work this muscle out. I need to learn how to, to really lean in and get override these uncomfortable feelings until it starts feeling better. And I think it's actually really natural to feel social anxiety or awkwardness, especially when you meet someone you've never met before or you have to do small talk. Like it's awkward for everyone. Nobody likes small talk, you know what I mean? And like, there's this analogy I love, you know, if you were to put a bunch of like four or five-year-olds in a room, at first they'd be like hiding behind their parents' legs. They'd all be a little shy and just off on the sidelines. 30 minutes later, you can't tear them apart. So I help a lot of my clients actually like learn to feel that uncomfortable feeling. Maybe go tap in the bathroom a little bit to soothe some of that amygdala nerves, but also to like make it not about you. Why not ask a lot of questions tonight? Like really be interested in other people's lives. Take the attention off you. And I love that because often when we're drinking, we're so insular. It's just like, where's the next glass? Is anyone looking at me? Blah, blah, blah. Like when you're able to be present, you can really be engaged with other people and actually be interested in what they have to say, like leading to more presence. 
They have studies that show that we're actually more attracted to people who are sober because they're paying attention to us Mm -hmm. and they like have their wits about them, you know? So it's a really attractive quality, but I want, I I recommend like practicing it, like literally sober public speaking, for example, is also terrifying. Yet the more you do it, the more comfortable you get at it. And also sometimes that those feelings of feeling terrified are also the same feelings we get when we're really excited about something. And so if we just tell ourselves a different story you know, like maybe I'm a little nervous, but maybe it's because I'm excited. Maybe I'll meet someone really cool tonight or, or you know, just have a much better time. Uh, and the women I work with are often so pleasantly surprised, like so pleasantly surprised at how much more fun they can have without alcohol. It's as if they like didn't believe it before that it was possible. And I've literally been in a room full of women or meeting someone and I feel buzz. I feel buzz. I go home and I can't sleep because I'm so excited. I feel a natural buzz because I'm connecting deeply with another human being fully as myself without a mask, without a crutch, without some kind of false tool to feel more confident. I'm building that confidence within myself and nothing feels as good as that. So I totally understand the dilemma. I used it as like a bandaid for well over a decade but like nothing beats actually learning how to be comfortable in your own skin. And it can take a little bit of practice, right? At first and just leaning in and also determining what you really like. Maybe if you're an introvert, you don't like the big networking events. You don't like the big parties, but I'm sure you love having coffee with just a friend or two, or you love going on a hike and talking with someone. Curate your social life to engage more in what you do like, right? Versus forcing yourself to be at a club when you're past the age of 30 for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Uh, You're laughing first. What do you got to say about that one? I'm just trying to picture myself at my age in a club. I don't know when the last time I was in a club, but um, no, I love that concept of leaning in and it reminds me, you know, it reaffirms that everything is a process. Nothing happens overnight, right? And it's getting comfortable in our own skin and comfortable facing those fears. And, you know, we work with a lot of people that are in full-blown addiction that are wanting to get into recovery. They just don't know how or a lot of things like you said. They don't know what it'll look like. They're scared of what am I going to do without drugs and alcohol? What am I? Just all these fear-based thoughts. And it is a process and it is part of, you know, that learning piece that, those building on those small successes, you lean in, you accomplish one of those little tasks and suddenly you're like, wow, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll try this one next. And suddenly, you know, within 30 days or whatever it looks like for each person, they're different, but suddenly you're not relying on those negative coping mechanisms that you had in the past, right? Or you're not relying on alcohol to make you feel good enough to talk to somebody. And you're suddenly having a conversation with somebody and you're not worried about all the little things like you said earlier, Carolina, Do I have wine teeth? For me, it's like, do I have food stuck in my teeth or, you know, do I have booze on my shirt? Cause that was my big thing. Or do I have cocaine on my shirt? And and I'm not worried about these things anymore. I'm more focused on what they have to say than I am about me. And that's been a really cool piece. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like we talk a lot about in addiction to like surface level, surface level friends. Right. And I like how many surface level friends did you make during your addiction or even alcohol? Like how many people did you go out and be like, I'm going to call you tomorrow. You're my new best friend. And then you're like, holy shit, you're not my friend at all. Like <laughs> I'm not calling that person back. Like totally. rookie mistake. How do you think uh, relationships change over time? Like even in your core circle, did you find like when you stopped drinking, did, did you lose friends, gain more non drinker friends? Like what did that look like for you? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I know like, I think the social piece at, at one point, like maybe we get comfortable enough to live a different lifestyle at home and with our own coping mechanisms, but it's like, Oh, put me out into the social world. Like it's just so hard to manage not only because it's the norm, but it's also like, it's like you get 21 questions, right? Mm-hmm. As if like you have two heads when you're not drinking and yet everyone's paleo or gluten-free or dairy-free, totally. like everything else is okay, but yeah. not drinking alcohol is a toxin. Like yeah, say so what? weird in our society. <laughs> alcohol-free? What? Yeah, something wrong with you. Are you sure? (laughs) So I was definitely nervous about this. I was definitely, you know, feeling it. And I think that that cycle I was living in for so many years of knowing I was unhappy every Monday morning, I was always looking for a break from alcohol, but it was always a social event on my calendar that stopped me. So for years, this actually stopped me in my tracks and didn't allow me to progress. But finally, when I go alcohol-free, you know, I get the courage to start sharing a little bit with my friends. And it's incredible. Like, it's as if I was the only one who thought I ever got hung over. Like, no, right? Like all of a sudden I'm opening up like the, I'm talking about the elephant in the room that everyone else feels and just, we haven't been able to talk about. So I found that I actually was able to get closer with some of my friends because we're actually talking about like our deeper vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and, you know, our deeper maybe fears or dreams. Some of my friends were really inspired by what I was doing and decided to take breaks themselves. But as I continued working on myself and really getting into personal development and also into, you know, going after a business and, you know, podcasts and a book, it also inspired some of my friends to start rethinking their careers or what they do for purpose or passion in their lives. So it was kind of an upward trajectory. I've also found that I attracted a lot of other aspirational people in my life because I want to surround myself with people that I look up to and I want their lifestyle, not just to fit in with a group of people who are doing the same thing every weekend, you know? So I really do have found that I've attracted other people in my life that I really aspire to their lifestyles. And lastly, you know, whether, I don't think for me, I really lost any friends, but I've definitely encountered it with people who I work with. Like if that is the only thing that's holding you together, you know, is it the only thing you have in common? Um, You know, maybe obviously like there really wasn't a solid friendship there, but I have to say this, take time. It is change is scary for anyone involved. Like when we're in a relationship with other people and one person changes, the other person feels threatened because they're like, oh, I'm not changing. Or, you know, like, does this say something about me? So they can often react a little negatively or just not sure about it. So give some time, give some grace, you know, allow like yourself to open up and share, you know, from your heart about how much better this lifestyle is for you. And if they still don't come around after a certain period of time, then, you know, maybe they, you were meant to let go of what no longer serves you so you can welcome in people that are meant to uplift you. And I like to think of like the most inspirational people to me on this planet, Tony Robbins, for example, Renee Brown, Gabby Bernstein, Deepak Chopra, they all don't drink, you know, like they have something in common. They are living their most successful lifestyles and it doesn't involve alcohol. So instead of seeing myself ever as like, oh, I'm the odd one out. I'm the, I'm the lame one who just can't hang anymore. I'm like, no, I'm in a totally different group of people now, right? And not to feel superior or anything like that. It's just my sights are different. My lifestyle's different. My visions are different. And I just hold dearly the past version of me who thought that a bottle of wine was the highlight of the week. Yeah. That's super cool. It is. And I... I Everything you say, you know, when Amber asked me to come on today and I thought, well, I'll come on. I I like to be quiet when it's Amber and a female guest because a lot of times the listeners, they want to hear the female perspective because a lot of times yeah. our podcast is overrun by dudes. And I'm the other dude. 
<laughs> but I can resonate with a lot of things you're with you're sharing with us today. And you know, just because you know, if you're listening to this and you're a female or you're male, we're not being gender specific when we talk about this. This impacts yeah. everybody. And I can relate to a lot of the feelings you're talking about. You know, in my days when I drank and in my sobriety, like it, it's just such a cool concept. And I also, you know relished that weekend or that that held that box of beer or that bottle of scotch or whatever up on a pedestal and that's that's what I looked forward to and I gravitated towards and I focused on all week and then it became hard drugs for me eventually but now it's yeah it doesn't even cross my mind anymore because so many successful things have come my way based on the the new style of life I'm living and the honesty and all the work I've done that you know can I have a drink today maybe I can am I willing to risk it no, never. And I can't see one thing in my life where alcohol, reintroducing alcohol into my life is going to benefit me in any way whatsoever. So I've just said goodbye to alcohol for the rest of my life. And people are like, well, you, you know, you can't see, predict the future. Well, no, but I know as long as I keep doing the work that got me to where I am today and I don't stop doing that work and I don't stop being open-minded to talking with individuals like yourself and being open to that kind of stuff, I know that alcohol is never going to find a place back in my life. No, I, I find I'm thriving in life as well. Like, I just could not ever see myself going backwards. I feel like I'm setting a better expectation for my kids today. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to have a teenage daughter who has no desire to drink. Um, she just doesn't like it. She's tried it, found it wasn't serving her either. Um, so, you know, it mm-hmm. it's just set my life up for much greater things and I think and same for you like you get we get to be present with our children we're not hung over for our kids for sure you know we can just be there for them at, and be our best selves <clears throat> and sure. it's easier to have a lot of good days not drinking I find than it is when you were drinking because like when I was drinking man I remember having a lot of shitty days and when you said I'd like to pick fights with my husband I was like I get you like <laughs> 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 leave me alone I'm tired right like you would just pick a fight out of exhaustion to be you know, left alone or to catch up your head. And I remember just feeling that fog of not even knowing why I would be irritated until I actually quit drinking. And then I was like, oh, wow, I was probably exhaustion and just beating up my body for no good reason at the end of the day. Like no good reason. Yes. I love the the theme coming from both of you because to me, it just comes out as like, I've been there and I've done that. Like I've experienced yeah. it. I know exactly what it looks like and exactly what it feels like. I know exactly what was accomplished with that life. And when I was kind of at a, like a fork in the road of whether or not I wanted to, you know, keep going alcohol free or, you know, maybe I'll drink occasionally or whatever. I was like, I want to take the road less traveled. I want to see what I'm capable of without this toxin in my life. Mm-hmm. And literally miracles have happened for me. I mean, at earlier you were saying about pipe dreams. Like I quit my nine to five. I never thought that was possible. I have a successful thriving business working for myself. I published a book when I'm not even a celebrity. Like I always thought only celebrities can publish books for some reason, you know, it's in bookstores. Like it's just so surreal and it's not really about me or or my story even like I'm not an anomaly, right? Like this story I've heard so many times from other women I've worked with, from other people I've heard from who've changed their lives. It's like changing your relationship with alcohol or other substances. It allows you to feel and to get to know yourself better than you ever have before. And when you have that level of self-discovery, you start to determine, what do I really want? I have one life on this planet. What do I truly want? What do I desire? What do I want to create? What do I want to be? 
And you also have that confidence and that audacity to go after it. And I also think it's really important, just as you guys are doing, to have that passion and to have that sense of purpose after you remove the alcohol. Because just removing that isn't like necessarily the ticket to everything. Mm -hmm. It's the space you create to now go after true sense of fulfillment and meaning. And oftentimes, you know, just as you find yourselves, it's by helping the person behind you, you know, and that just makes it all worth it. All of the shit, all of the drama, all of the trauma. I mean, maybe not completely worth it, but like you understand why it had to happen so that you could arrive here to now help the person behind you. Yeah, that's so cool. And that reminds me of, you know, to kind of paraphrase what you just said, reminds me of some of the stuff we learned when we took our recovery coach training through a a really well-established institute in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. And they talk about, you know, the difference between just sharing your story, but using your story to help the next person. Because up until we took that training, until I did some personal work and all these things, all I had was my story to share with somebody, but I didn't really know what the benefits of that could be. And now it's reframing it. And it's not just to share my story to make it about me. It's to share my story to create a safe space in order for somebody else to open that door and walk through it. And we've had so much success in what we're doing. Um, Yeah. Like these things that you talk about, we were the same way a year and a half ago, this pipe dream we our nonprofit formed because we wanted to help somebody and use our stories to help people who are out there struggling behind, you know, closed doors and feeling they were alone and didn't know what to do about what they, their lives. They knew there was a problem, but they didn't know how to get sober. They didn't know how to get into recovery, whatever that looked like. So we started sharing our stories and we created this nonprofit. Now here we are, like you said, a pipe dream, you know, we're self-sustaining. I'm employed that kind of leap of faith. I quit my full-time job and now I'm employed for our own nonprofit. And it's just, that snowball effect. You keep doing the next right thing for the right reasons and feeling good about it and not worrying about what the rest of society thinks or what other people are criticizing you about. And you just know it's working and it's helping people and you just keep doing it. And man, it's really cool things start to happen. Oh yeah. Like we got to meet you and have you on our podcast (laughs) too, which is so awesome. Absolutely. And yeah, like I've even my, my cousin reached out listening to our podcast one day to realize that, you know, his wife had a, a drinking problem and she'd been blaming him and like, and then he's like, I just started listening and realized it was actually her issue to solve. And I was taking all the blame, like word does travel in, Mm -hmm. in so many ways and shapes and forms. And our goal is just to help as many people as possible and, and share that lived experience because then people understand it and they, you know, they trust you to, to be honest with us too and for sure will be willing to tell us their story and hopefully we can get them into a better space and give them some tools to to get them where they need to be yeah yeah super cool and i loved earlier when you spoke about sharing from our experiences right and mm-hmm. and you've got all of your own experiences that led you to where you are today and it reminds me i, I talked about it a few podcasts ago how carl young said you don't start living until you're 40. Everything before that is research. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and I think back, like for me, that really resonates because I got into recovery at 40. And it doesn't, I don't think it really matters what age you are, right? It's all research that we're doing early in our lives. And whether we have somebody to help us through navigate that research or somebody to mentor us or not, right? We're experiencing this, this form of research. And then eventually we have to take ownership of what we've learned and figure out what direction we want to go. And that's what I love about being part of this podcast today. Cause you know, we're in a different country. We're in different parts of the world and you're doing similar things and you're knocking it out of the park and helping so many people by the sounds of it. And that's just an amazing piece to 
this whole journey of when we get rid of drugs and alcohol out of our lives. How much better our life can be. Oh my goodness. It's and crazy. everyone else is around us. Like, look at all the people you're helping today that probably, you know, would have still been out there doing research if they hadn't came across you and you wouldn't be where you are today. And we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't take that ownership and say, man, I got to do something different for myself finally. Yeah. I, uh, what was I going to say? Squirrel? Oh, it's squirrel. Squirrel. It's squirreled. Tell us a little bit about how we can find your book. I've read it. I love it. Um, funny is I, I read it and I don't even drink. So but I was, I listened to your podcast with Jenna there from Calgary and I was like, wow, I just love everything you have to say. And I, I feel like if, if people are on the fence or maybe you've already quit drinking, yeah. it, it would be really great to share your book on here and maybe someone will pick that up. I know I share it all the time. I know you can get it on Audible because that's where I got it and I like to listen to books. Uh, but could you tell us where everybody could find it? and Yeah, and find you, social find media, you. whatever else you have, your platform, your webpage. Yeah, of course. So the easiest place to find the book is www.euphoricbook.com. Uh, you can also just look up the word euphoric and Amazon should bring it up for you. It's available in the United States and Canada. It's also in the UK and Europe and Australia. Nice. So uh, it should be available in your area, hopefully, wherever you're listening. Um, and really, the book is just a love letter to how amazing this life is, like all the benefits of it. Because I think so much we get stuck because we're stuck in the fear. We're stuck in the fear of what's going to change. How mm -hmm. is this going to be different? How am I not going to like it? instead of getting super excited about what all the incredible benefits are. So the book just lays them all out for anyone from the body, mind, soul perspective, and then gives someone a really introspective guide to start an eight-week process of either changing their relationship with alcohol or taking a break or really making sense of it too, uh, so that they know what they want more. Towards the end of the book too, you'll learn a little bit, not just about changing your beliefs around alcohol, but really kind of what we've been talking about the latter part of the show like, what do you want? Like, mm -hmm. what are your actual passions? Go out and explore, go out and, you know, really rediscover yourself so that you have a sense of new meaning and purpose. Uh, so that you can find that there, euphoricbook.com. And then I do have coaching available. I have a retreat coming up for women in both Bali and Puerto Vallarta. I have my own podcast. You can find just all of that good stuff at euphoricaf.com. And then I'm pretty active on Instagram, euphoric.af. Amber's looking over like, do you think our collective journey will pay for me to go to Bali? And your wife? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, road trip. Alyssa, we're going on a vacation. <laughs> Honeymoon a, with Amber. <laughs> a work, it's fr framed as a workshop. Workshop. Yeah. Okay. Just in case anybody's listening yeah. from a tax oh, perspective. <laughs> no, uh, that's, that's amazing. And I also think what you're, what you're talking about will help just to shed some light on, you know, us here in our listener base through the analytics, we've noticed that roughly 65, 70% of the listeners we have for our podcast are female, which really blew my socks off. Cause I thought it'd be a bunch of dudes listening to us talk, but this is amazing. And it, for any, any ladies that are out there in recovery, especially early recovery, and now you've removed drugs or alcohol from your life. And yet you're left with all this open space. What am I going to do with all this time? Right. Here's a beautiful platform and a, a support right? Get this yeah. book, listen to the podcasts that Carolina does, and it'll help you explore your own life, right? You can fill that void of what do I do now with some, that open-mindedness, fill it with some of these suggestions, try them out at, at least, right? Yeah. I, I do find in recovery people, that social piece is always there and alcohol is always something they weigh on to give up. And if I could speak to anybody, I, it's, it is worth giving up every day, all day, 
doesn't serve anybody's purpose Mm -hmm. in life and living a life where you can just be with your thoughts and be okay with your thoughts is just so much more valuable. For sure. Right. You just get to be you, you get to be your own identity and show up as a, you know, a human being. It's wonderful. That's what we're, we're not, we're not here to like masks ourselves behind alcohol and be the imposter. And when you say you get to be you, a lot of people that are coming out of that, depending what level of substance use or alcohol use you're at, a lot of people don't know who they are. A lot of people don't know what they like. They've just been doing the same thing for so long that this is my identity. And when you eliminate that piece of your identity out of your life, you have a whole new world to look at. And that piece looks terrifying at times too. And that's the piece I love is that, you know, you get to find yourself for the first time, perhaps a lot of people, cause they don't know what, they don't know who they are. Yeah, I know I didn't. No, <laughs> I, I would say that I did not either. It was just a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm fortunate to say that I didn't let alcohol completely destroy my life, but it very well could have. If I had not chose to kick it, I can't, I can't prove one way or another because at least nothing catastrophic had happened to blow that up. But I know it would have at some yeah. point too. And yeah, I'm just happy. I love life. For alcohol free sure. life. <clears throat> There's a line that one of the gentlemen always says in our 12-step group, and I heard it years ago, and it talks about how, or the line goes like, I didn't always get in trouble when I drank, but every time I was in trouble, I'd been drinking. Yeah. I can remember that. (laughs) I go back through my journey, and that is 100% me, right? Yeah. There was rarely any time I was in trouble. It didn't involve booze. Nope. Yeah. Recipe for disaster. (laughs) Well... Thank you so much, Carolina, for coming on our podcast. We're so grateful to have you. Uh, Look forward to hopefully having you back Mm -hmm. in the future and all the success to you and your book. I love that so much. It was such a pleasure to get to know you both better. And I really enjoyed speaking with your audience. Yeah. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You too. Awesome. That was cool. Cool. Oh God, she's probably still yeah, there. Can't hear. She's right there. She's I was right. like, "Wait, she's not gone." I'm like, "It's <laughs> just over." Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if really you need anything from my end, uh, just just let me know if you need any like pictures yeah. or bio or anything. You could also find a bunch of stuff on my website. So whatever works best for you. Okay, sure. We usually put. I don't know if you've seen our podcast thumbnail, but we put just your picture. Whoever the guest is doesn't include me and Amber. We'll put your picture on there if you're cool with that. Do you want Perfect. us just to pirate one off your site or you want to send one? Um, I can send one. I'll do it right now. Sure. Yeah. Send it to my email and then I'll share it with Ryan. He's our social media master. Okay. And, and then uh, we'll put all the links in the show notes as well to all your social media, your webpage. We'll put a link to the Amazon book. And Yeah. Thank you Very so cool. much. I really of enjoyed course. this podcast and I look forward to hearing the feedback on it as well. Thank you. You guys are such good interviewers. I had a great time. Thanks. Have a good one. Take care. (laughs) You too. See you later. Enjoy San Diego. Stay classy. (laughs) From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.